Hi, Tom Bernard here. You're listening to Best of the Family. Enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? The well, latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us, we talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful, no question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say... Why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? And I just had no answer for <laughs> He just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Tom here for my friends at Walzer Automotive Group with some exciting news. Walzer's rolling out Walzer Care on new and most used cars they sell in Minnesota. Well, Walzer Care is a powertrain warranty with coverage for 10 years or 150,000 miles. Powertrain coverage is like major medical coverage for your car. Engines, transmissions, all the really expensive stuff is covered. In addition, Walzer Care includes 24-hour roadside assistance. Lock your keys in your car, run out of gas, have a flat tire. Guess what? Walzer has your back. The best thing about Walzer Care, it's free with purchase. That's right, I said free. So, if you're shopping for a new or used Subaru, Honda, Nissan, Mazda, Toyota, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Hyundai, or Chevrolet, see my friends at Walzer and get Walzer Care for free. Well, we're back. The Tom Bernard Show without Tom Bernard. He's very, very Sons busy. B sends Tom Bernard. He's out gallivanting around, <laughs> having important does. lunches, being a big shot as he does. A big cheese. The big cheese. Cheesy. So, I, do we have guests? Um, actually, well, we <laughs> were going to have the o- happening. We were going to have the OJ's on, but uh, Tom, it was a guest that I wanted to have for Tom. Because he loves that kind of music. Yes. So we'll reschedule them. Okay. But we'll have Gavin at 12.45, who's going to be talking about Thanksgiving with Mr. Rogers. That's what they're coining November right now is Thanksgiving. Oh, because Mr. Rogers comes out on the 22nd? Yes, yes. And um, it's kind of become a thing. Like, they're they're doing, like, kind of, like, at the Alamo Draft House, they're doing a Hanksgiving, so they're playing a bunch of Tom Hanks movies. Oh, okay. <laughs> stuff like that. So I think it's kind of cute. But, yeah, we're going to have Gavin Edwards, who wrote the book, Kindness, and Wonder Why Mr. Rogers Matters Now More Than Ever. I Aww. agree with that. Yes, I love Mr. Rogers. I, used, I know. He was my nap time person. Like, I would... When it was nap time, I would 
lay down with my blankie and I'd watch Mr. Rogers and probably about 40 minutes in I was out. <laughs> you had a wonderful day in the neighborhood. Yes. Well, he had just such a calming effect for kids. Just, well, you know. Yeah, he had that minister's way about him, you know, like mm-hmm. it's just like he doesn't overreact to anything. Yeah, I know. It's like, does you know, he ever get mad? And he really did, <laughs> I, you know, I mean, um, he really did go about talking about some very interesting things. Like he had, um, who was the, the guy that played the post, the mailman? Oh, God. He was a black Mr. guy, McFeely. right? Mr. McFeely. Or who, no. was the, who was the no, black guy? No, you're, you're thinking, you know, the, 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 that's <laughs> no, no, Mr. Lawrence Fishbone, but he was the black postman for Pee-wee's Playhouse. Oh, okay. Uh, so you're so mi- I'm getting so, everybody so mixed mixing, up. This happens when I don't. Really is white, and he's the okay. poster. Who was the, there was a black guy yeah, named Mr. Rogers. Yeah, and gay. Yeah. Black and gay. And, and they tried to out him and get him off the show. Hollywood was upset yeah. about him. and he about said what? About the fact that he was gay. on the show. Gay and on the show. Yeah. And he and Mr. Rogers sat down and, you know, have that biblical thing, you wash each other's feet. Mm-hmm. He did that with him. They they were like, they were sitting there washing their feet as a as a big f u to all the people that didn't want him on the show. Mm. Well, yeah. I I don't That's know. Very, I mean, he was a he was a very so, progressive guy in that way. So, so if you look at what you know, so I see uh, B Fox, my grandson, has been watching a little bit of uh, uh, streaming services on with a, with an adult, and that what he's been watching have been these animated shows mm-hmm. not mr Ro- and they have they have conflict in them they have hatred bigotry and everything are, are on these on these shows what shows oh like uh oh what's the one with the, the mexicans singing the man dora? mexican dora i hate dora Sorry. well but the thing, <laughs> thing is if you look at all really? of those it's if you look horrible. at all of those it's movies over stimulating ridiculous if you look at all of those movies yeah they all have conflict they all have hatred. They all have bigotry. And a child may not be able to sort all those things out. Right. Whereas when he was watching, when Mr. Rogers was on or even Pee Wee's Playhouse, he was, they were just goofing off. Right. Even, even uh, Soupy Sales. I mean, he was a little bit adult in his own way. But he would just, he would, there was not, it was not hatred. You were not, you know, yelling at people. You weren't, you know, you didn't have that conflict that you have in these movies or in the, even these newer kind of shows. Are you saying it's a good thing to have conflict? No, it's a bad thing. Yeah. I think that Mr. Rogers, in his own way, was, you know, it's a nurturing kind of a thing to watch. Yes. Oh, yeah. You Definitely. And, it, and, it, and, it, and even though it was all positive, the thing is it was, it was a calming kind of a thing. Now you have all this activity and all of this. It's just all this spectacle when oh, yeah. you're trying to watch some of these kids' things. So many kids' shows are so ridiculous and just... Intense. So over overstimulating. Way it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I remember when you know Andy was watching all this stuff. It turned, you know, SpongeBob is like oh, maniacal, it, insane. It's hilarious, <laughs> but I don't really think it's, it's for kids, no. little kids. It really shouldn't be for little kids. No. But there it is. Not until it's, you're like ten, I would say. And then Ren and Stimpy. Oh Ren and God. Stimpy is not for children. <laughs> well, that was for older. No, that was for older people. And, kids. Not even kids, teenagers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but even te- even teenagers. And uh, what what is the know. what's one on Adult Swim uh, with Meatwad, Shake, and Fry? Uh, adult. Um, uh, no idea. Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Aqua, 
Aqua Team Hunger Force. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. Yeah. I knew, knew oh, Andy. Yeah. Aqua Team. I knew, I knew the characters, oh, but sorry. I didn't know the name of it. Aqua Team Hunger Force. That's not for kids. Aqua Team. Aqua Team mm-hmm. Hunger team. Force. Okay. And it's, yeah, and, 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 it's, and it's a hamburger. It's a hamburger, yes. a milkshake, and a package of fries. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't even really happy when The Simpsons came on and Andy was obsessed oh, yeah. with it. I was like, I don't really want this little bratty, no. mouthy, yeah. you know, Bart, and Bart oh, you know, like, being an influence on. On That's you. like there's this show for little kids called Caillou. Oh god, and I hate Caillou. So, like so, everyone you say hates Caillou, Caillou in front of some parents, and they're like, "I hope he burns in hell." They're like, <laughs> "Don't like I, I the nanny family I worked for. They were like, "Oh, he, they can oh. watch half an hour of TV a day," but she was like, "Not Caillou." <laughs> what he's is a, it? He's a whiny she little was like, brat. She was like, "My son watched Caillou." Twice, and he turned into a whiny little asshole. <laughs> never watching Caillou again. Now, like, who oh who God. who puts that out? I have no idea. Uh, it was yeah. PBS. Mm. PBS, and it's designed for kids. Yeah, and it's everybody, a... all parents hate Caillou. That's weird. No, I, no, it isn't. It's Fawn just... doesn't watch much TV at all, but when she does, I have like four shows that I'm like, she can watch these four shows because they're very. Like calming, they just have you know like let's work together towards a goal. Like There's not leaf. tons of a tumble leaf, puff and rock, llama llama. It's all just like. There's not like singing and dancing and music and flashing. It's just like we're all friends. And creatures and vomiting on each other. Yeah, it's like creatures we're all vomiting. Ren and Stimpy. Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> What's wrong with that? <laughs> yeah, why? That's why what happens. So that's, that's the animal kingdom. Yeah, that's at like you know, fourteen maybe they can watch Ren and Stimpy, but not little kids. They yeah, shouldn't be like, watching it. I, and I just I grew up in an era where you know anything animated was basically for kids. Yeah, for and kids. it was yeah. safe. And you now they have are to adult worry. Cartoons and yeah, but, but even even Bugs Bunny and a lot of those uh, Road Runner, those, those things yeah. were a little violent. They were a little bit much for you know. We all watched it. Entry level, look how we entry level out. eyes. Entry level <laughs> eyes. We have to be careful with because, because I I see that I I don't watch that stuff anyhow. I just I see it. I watch about five minutes. I go, man, this is so you want, first of all, so stupid. You want to hear how bratty Caillou is? I mean, Caillou. just the, it's spelled weird too, right? Yeah, yeah it's spelled C A I L O. It's a I think it's a Canadian cartoon. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, this is this is why I didn't let my kids watch Caillou. If it's gonna Don't do that, Rosie. <laughs> He's got his bratty moments. <laughs> they have a bratty moments beep, compilation. You broke my robe. It just gets so like Go me. Play with your own toys, <laughs> Rosie. You just don't like the whiny voice. Well, and just like stuff that you don't want your kids to do. See, they can't. Like, Mom, stop! Get away from my stuff! Like, Ch- yeah, that's children. how they act. I know, but you don't want to. <laughs> but you don't want to exacerbate a problem. Children don't have a grasp on reality. No, they do not. They don't. They seem so to. So when they see something like time. this, they don't know what they should do or shouldn't yeah. do. It's something presented in front of them, and they go. It's like reading. It's like reading okay. Beatrix Potter. Lindsay says, here, read this to the kids. It's horrible. Oh, and I start reading Beatrix Potter. Not, I go, I'm not, not going to. Like, this, this, woman, this woman's are mentally ill. Yes. yes. Oh, my God. No I, I said, I'm not reading it because they're screwed yeah. up as it is. They have no concept oh, yeah. of what's what. And yeah. you're reading some bizarre. And it didn't make sense. It yeah. didn't make sense to me. They're getting murdered and having kids with their cousins no. and, and stuff. I, I was, and you know, yeah. no. 
So that you know, being yeah. no, that's gone. Yeah. So you know, no, the beloved no, Siri, no. English. No, I, had a, I had a friend who lives in England. When I was pregnant with Fawn, one of my baby shower gifts from her was the all of the Peter Rabbit books and stuff on CD. She's like, you could listen to it in your car and listen to it, blah blah blah. And so when Fawn was a teeny tiny infant, I was like, oh, we'll listen to these nice stories, and she can take a nap and whatever. And I was like, what is going on? This stuff is. Dark. Yeah, yeah. I just so I most of that stuff and most of I don't know. Kids should be outside playing and outside in the grass. Uh, Playing the grass, playing the snow. Be outside. Good. Yes, they should be outside. Reading is exceptional. In but still, you have to be careful what you're reading because these things are. And most of the time, I pick up the book. I don't have my glasses. I can't read. I make up a story. I open it. I make up a story. I just make it up. Oh, just the pictures. Make it up. Fun. If I skip a page in a book, she knows. Like accidentally, she's like, "You missed this." I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" And she has so many freaking books. Yes. Would she confess to me that she had to have all of her books removed from her room because she had, was not being kind to her books? No, <laughs> I took all of her Good. books out Good. of her room Good. because natural they're all stacked was, up in Sagey's room. Natural yeah. consequences. <laughs> was it? Yeah, wonderful. I took them Perfect. all out because she Perfect. was she was ripping pages out. Like so, there's you know there's the cover of the book, yeah, and then there's the like dedication page where there's like nothing on it, and then there's like the beginning of the book. She was ripping all the dedication pages out because she's like, because I want to see. The is, story. And is I'm that, like, Fine, is that from that? She watched a cartoon that they said, I ripped the a library, library book. book. No, that was from Up. Up says that. So, so there you go. So, there you, so you think she, that's, that's, there's behavior yeah. in those and things. And they yep. don't know that that's yep. unacceptable. You know, yep. and you project onto your child that they know. They're lost. I mean, B yeah. Fox, has, he has no concept of what's going on. Every time you say B Fox, I think Beef Ox. <laughs> Every time, like, what's oh, a beef? That, oh, that, oh, but that's a good, that's thank you. That's a good iteration because that's certainly it's a DJ name. So B E E F O X would yeah. be a great DJ name. Yeah, that's beef fox. That's what I yeah, hear. Yeah, beef fox. Whenever, <laughs> whenever, whenever yeah, I need to say beef fox, we're still working on C Riv. So, oh yeah, C Riv. But yeah, the yeah. So she ripped all the like out of four books. She did it, and I was like. If you do this, if I see you ripping another book, I am going to have to take all of your books away because you need to be respectful of your things. Right. And you can have them as long as you're respectful to them. She goes, okay. And then I, she did it again, and I was like, they're all gone. And she freaked out. You were at our house when I took nice. them all out. Oh, is that what was going on up there? Oh, yeah. good. Uh-huh. I took all of her books out and put them in Sage's room. And I was she like, was having quite the day. And I was like, and you can have <laughs> books added as long as you show that you're going to be respectful to, to your books. And so I will slowly add go. books into her room. And I don't know what's really good going it. on with kids right now. A friend of mine who shall be nameless, her granddaughter, has been called a complete asshole by her mother. She's like, my daughter is now a complete a-hole. She's having an hour temper tantrum in her room every night. Good. Three and a half, four, no, around there. To Just the absolutely... Fawn was having psycho fun kids. that night that she was so bad. Was yeah, I was she gone, had a psycho well, I was night. gone for four yeah. days. Dan then was gone for four days. It was just a lot of, you yes. know, our family wasn't together, and it was weird. And well, they do we were at your house for two days. They do thrive so on normal schedules. schedules. Yeah. yeah, and her that week was very, very weird for her, so it was just kind of. <laughs> they thrive you know, we, on normalcy and schedules. And you watch most of these videos, and it's not normalcy and schedules. Yeah, it's that's... clear. There's a pro. 
So all the post test stuff's garbage. Yes, it is. Absolutely. I, I, I would agree. agree. A lot yeah. of it is garbage. Like when other, sometimes you just need a break, man. When other people watch <laughs> my kids, like when she watches both the kids, I'm like, okay, so Fawn can watch a 20-minute show while you put Sage to bed. So then she's not, like, juggling whatever because she's not used to doing the two kids in bed and whatever, and she watches them, like... She puts them to bed like once a month, so it's like I love putting I love putting Fawn to bed. She always wants a story, and I can just make up anything. Once a time, once upon a time, there was a boy named Andy, and there was a girl named Melissa, and they grew up, and they met, and they got married, and then they went on their honeymoon to the Dakotas. The end. She's like, like, say it, tell me it again. Forget the basic plot. I I told you, you have to remember it now so you can tell it to yourself as you go to sleep. I never remember. And I make up songs all the time. And she'll be singing it to me. And I'm like, I sang that song? I don't remember doing that. So there you go. She doesn't need to have it read a second time. She does remember it. She does remember it. Oh, her memory is a steel trap. Yeah. The stuff that she remembers, I'm like, what? Like, we hadn't been to gymnastics in months and months. And we went yesterday and she was like julia had a birthday here which was a year and a half ago oh my god that is amazing that they remember that stuff it's funny because they say that at three years old that's when your early memories start to fade but apparently not that one nope because that was yeah tearing down the building yeah if the audience can hear this uh they must be remodeling (laughs) upstairs we're not under attack we need to take a quick break we'll be right back Tom Bernard here, and with me is the CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Tell me, Michael, I was reading on your website that one of your bankers has worked with a customer for more than 30 years. It's a long time for any business relationship. Is that common? Not only 30 years, but two generations. Our great client, Northland Fastening Systems. 30 years is definitely not common for a lot of bankers, but Brad has developed a relationship with that trusted customer that has allowed them to show steady growth every year they've been together. Building the relationship of trust is what we do best. It allows us to make quick deals that benefit them and all of our business customers. The cool thing is that it gives us a chance to be more than your banker, hopefully a partner, and maybe even a friend. I have never liked you, by the way. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience? Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Thanks, friend. And you are? (laughs) Real nice. Chuck Nabla. (laughs) Chuck Nabla. (laughs) Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. There's no better time than now to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they wanted to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK. Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Oh, apparently we have our guest. Oh, no, not yet. Oh. We just have Mr. Rogers. Oh, I thought maybe. Mr. Rogers. 
This neighborhood, not that neighborhood. Yeah. I know it's one of those things where you. I swear I said it this way. Well, I've never known the words to any songs except for "Happy Birthday" in my life. So. I just loved how Mr. Rogers would flip his shoes around. Yep. And put on that beautiful blue cardigan. <laughs> the powder blue cardigan. I never really. I never watched oh, no. it. Much. I don't remember anything. Uh oh, oh, you'd feel the fish. Yeah, he would go. Into, yeah, let's see. Let me see if I can remember his routine. He'd walk into the door, and then he would feed the fish. Do you know why I he would he always say, his... "I'm feeding yeah. the fish"? Why? Because there was a blind girl that watched, listened to Mister oh. Rogers, and she wrote in, and he didn't say anything about the fish for a while. So she was like, "I'm concerned that the fish are going to die. You keep <laughs> forgetting to feed the fish." And so every single time he'd say, "I'm feeding the fish," so she wouldn't be worried about feeding. Oh, that's fish. so cute. What was that movie about him? There's it was been a, a couple, but yeah, there the was just most one like last, one. yeah, last oh, kind of like a, do a documentary. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. What's this? It one? was called "A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood," and it, it talked about that people turned against him for a while, and they were demonizing Mister Rogers. People like, turn <laughs> against everything. <laughs> it was just like, what do you got to do? Yeah, so there the, was a to have day people in the neighborhood. be nice to you. There was "Won't You Be My Neighbor," and then there was "America's Favorite Neighbor." Mm -hmm. well, so it was, it was the last one. At least three. It was the last. It was the most a beautiful, a beautiful one. day is the one that came out this year in yeah. oh, like two weeks. Never mind. It comes no, out in two weeks. That's <laughs> yes. the Tom, Tom Hanks one. Yes. Is that that's the third one? Uh, or is that the fourth one? Among the ones that I could find so far, yeah, that's the third one. But yeah, this I'm was sure there's like, been more. Yeah, this was like more of like a documentary. I think you told us about yes, that, I did. Alex. I can't remember what it's called, though. It was at least at least a year ago. Uh, you're probably thinking of Won't You Be My Neighbor. That was yeah. 2018. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And then that was talking yeah. about how, you know, he was getting flack for having a gay guy on his show and a black guy on his show, and people were pushing back about something else. He Was was he political? Was no, he, there was something about... He was pro-PBS funding. That's the main political thing I'm Yeah, because he, he went, yeah. went in front of a committee. Yeah. All uh, right. Um, I think it was a congressional committee or something like that because I think they were trying to defund public programming. And he, is he that came... why people turned on him? Though I can't remember what the whole well, thing was all about. He, but people were getting yeah, really well, of course mean he's, to him. He's gonna, he's gonna go up and defend it because that's his paycheck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's secondary gain on his part. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But I think he was he, he was trying to stress that this is important for children for education and stuff like that. Uh, and our government, that's in, and our government should be educating our children. Yeah. Well, and he probably was come, you know, going up against the fact that other people were starting to get into children's entertainment and getting more hyper and crazy, and maybe mm -hmm. he was losing some. I'm sure he was at the you know, end. viewership too. And maybe he had a sense that that wasn't correct. You know, maybe he had a vision that that wasn't correct, and maybe he was right. And Mr. Rogers' neighborhood went until. 2001 so you know by then the simpsons was there family guy was there spongebob was there all those cartoons we were talking about right. had infiltrated and <laughs> taken <laughs> over the market when, when, when had come this, and gone when did and Stimpy yeah, were gone by then yeah when did nickelodeon come into existence at, oh, at least the 80s early. if not earlier was that the 80s yeah the disney channel was that was probably late the late 80s. 80s i think Maybe, yeah. maybe late 80s. No, because they had I Mickey Radio Mouse Disney. Club and all that. Well, yeah. Oh, Nickelodeon was 77. Yeah. Oh, really? That old? Who knew? Yeah. Disney Channel was 83. 
83. Everything's earlier than we thought. And is Nickelodeon part of Disney now? I don't no. think so. No, Nickelodeon is separate. Yeah, they're okay. separate. I think Nickelodeon made so much money in the 80s and 90s that they own. Are they oh, part no, of... they're owned by Viacom. Which, right, right, right. That's right. Uh, okay. Let's see. Viacom also owns MTV, Comedy Central, VH1, BET, Logo. So, yeah. They're part of a gigantic, massive conglomerate. Yeah. Like everything is. Like everything. Although I do love SpongeBob. I'm sorry. I <laughs> yeah, I love that little sponge. And I, it, it is hyper. But we, I can't believe we, it's still going. I know. It's crazy. We always seem to refer to some episode of SpongeBob. Yeah. The, one where, the one where the ghost ship was coming in oh, yeah. and SpongeBob <laughs> was getting it to parallel park. <laughs> and it's just ripping the crap out the of the side. Dutchman. And he's like, we're good. You're we're good. good. You're good. And it's just tearing the it's ship just, apart. Yeah, it's just one of those dumb humor shows that I, I, I just found. Because he, uh, my oldest boy, I always referred to him as kind of my human form, version of SpongeBob. He was just so happy about stuff all the time, no matter what. So, oh. yeah, oh, the, the guest, guest is, is calling, calling in. Right in. Right oh. now. But uh, let me answer this, but talk amongst yourselves. Yeah, I, yeah, and uh, when he, when Pat, Patrick, every once in a while, you'll see somebody that looks just like Patrick. We sure <laughs> you just, I mean, it's, you're like he looks like, and I was like Patrick Star. She's like, yes, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I don't know. There was just something about SpongeBob that my kids really like. So that was like one show that we would sit down and watch together, you know, cartoon wise. That was really the only one we ever watched. Otherwise, they, you know. They were playing with cars or something like that. So yeah, yeah I mean, but if you just listen to it, it, you know, and not really pay attention to it, it's it's is very hyper and well, yeah, very of course crazy. it is. So we have our guest. We sure do. We have Gavin Edwards. Hey, Gavin, are you there? Hello. It might be just a little delay because they're connecting the call. Oh, so. okay. So are the OJs not calling in? No, no. we were scheduling them till for next week. So okay. we right talked now. about that, Andy. Yeah, so uh, we have Gavin oh, on the line. Hi, Gavin. This is Catherine. How are Hello. you? Hi, we have Gavin Edwards here uh, promoting his book, Kindness and Wonder, Why Mr. Rogers Matters More Now Than Ever. We were just all talking about... Mr. Rogers and the fact that some of us had watched that documentary and just how meaningful that show is to so many people. There, are you there? Gavin? Did we lose Gavin? Yes, I'm here. Ah, there you are. Are we on? I'm hearing you just a... Were you, did you hear any of my <laughs> talking about your book? Maybe we need another. Maybe we need you to call back. I don't think the connection's very good. Yeah, I'm sorry. You sound like you're coming through a towel. I'm just having a very hard time hearing. you. Okay, why don't we um, hang up and call you back? Perfect. I I can reconnect. That would be wonderful. I think some of it was that it wasn't in the form of a question. I don't know if he knew that he was supposed to answer that. Um, it was. Uh, it, I was not sure if we were on the air, but I was only picking out every other word. Hang on, hang on, Gavin. I'll reconnect. Yeah, that happens. Connections do that a lot. Yeah, especially on those conference calls. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. when they connect the call. Well, it's because oh. a conference call. Every person on there has a little bit less bandwidth to. Uh, mm-hmm. I to thought they hear. usually connected and then hung up. 
No. I don't know. I don't listen to so. the entire I don't know how interview. agents work. So, okay. but anyway, yes. anyway, we'll be talking about Mr. Rogers again. We're going to stay in that Mr. Rogers, you know, theme and just stay calm and just yeah. <laughs> roll mm-hmm. with it. Oh, it's unfortunate that we couldn't take that call right now, but <laughs> I'm feeding the dog now. Yeah. Oh, here feeding we go. Let's see fish. if this will work. Okay. Let me get it going. Gavin, are you there? Okay. Gavin's here. Gavin? Hello. Can you hear us better now? That's better. Oh, awesome. Yeah, thank you. Oh, good. Yeah, Andy, if you could turn his volume up a little bit. There we go. Okay. Hi there. We've got Gavin Edwards on the line. He's promoting his book, Kindness and Wonder, Why Mr. Rogers Matters Now More Than Ever. Um, We were just talking about Mr. Rogers quite a bit because we were anticipating your interview here. Why does Mr. Rogers matter now more than ever? Well, I feel like... You know, sort of, you can feel it in the air that uh, just like the world has gotten like nastier and cruder and louder yes. and just meaner. Um, and, uh, you know, sort of it's in like the drumbeat of the daily news and that sort of permeates into, you know, sort of like everyday life where it just feels like a constant assault. And, you know, like Mr. Rogers uh, had some just like deep fundamental uh, lessons to teach us uh, that, you know, sort of like. And a lot of it was, like, slow down, you know, sort of, like, embrace, the, the, like, who you are and the people around you. Be kind to each other. And, like, that's what we need to hear right now. I agree wholeheartedly. We talk about this on the show all the time, how nasty uh, social media has gotten and just the news and politicians are horrible to each other. It's just a sad world out there. So do you see a replacement for Mr. Rogers, or is it just sort of a movement that you're thinking that we could all do together? I don't know. I have no uh, person would say, like, I don't think there's ever going to be another Mr. Rogers, that he was such a unique talent. uh, uh, You know, he had all these different skills ranging from, you know, sort of like puppetry to music to his television ability that all came together at like exactly the right moment as, you know, sort of like the public television was starting and he just through stubbornness, he made, you know, sort of a show that had never been there before. But, uh, you know, you do see like, he's not the only person who's ever tried to make the world a better place. Uh, you know, one of his uh, precepts, uh, is that, you know, like in times of disaster, when you see, you know, like the, a car crash on TV or a burning building, look for the helpers. There are always going to be uh, the people who are, like, in that image, you know, whether it's firemen or uh, emergency uh, medical technicians who are, who are coming in to help other people. And, you know, sort of that's certainly true today. And, you know, Mr. Rogers fundamentally was a helper. Uh, and there's other people now who can be helpers, too. That's interesting. We were talking about other children's programming right now and how it's just gotten to be so hyper and loud and the the kids that are usually the stars are obnoxious and they don't listen and they're mean to each other. It's just, why do you think that entertainment for children has gone that way? Um, well, uh, I think uh, that, you know, sort of, 
people feel like this is what you need to do to get kids' attention. Um, that, you know, sort of like you've got to have like sort of like the quick editing that you would have on, you know, sort of like a commercial for breakfast cereal. And, you know, sort of if it's not sort of like sassy and hip and, you know, sort of like uh, uh, attitudinal, then like kids aren't going to respond to it. And it was so amazing, you know, like even... Uh, you know, in his heyday, like, uh, you know, Fred Rogers was cutting against that. You know, he was uh, willing to, like, have a segment of a show where he would just fill up a fish tank with a hose full of water. And <laughs> it would take three, four minutes, yeah. mostly silent. And, uh, you know, he just sort of trusted that, you know, like, hey, we're not going to cut away. We're not going to jazz this up. You know, we're not going to have, like, sort of tap dancers come in. You know, sort of like, uh, and it was it's calming still to watch the show in a way that, you know, many other TV shows then and now aren't, uh, that, you know, sort of, that there's something that you feel enveloped in, you know, that sort of like peaceful nature and in his love. Do you think that Mr. Rogers would survive today? I, well, I mean, he did survive for decades and decades. It wouldn't be, he was very good at just, uh, you know, sort of, Fluffing off the parts of the world um, uh, that he thought like was not beneficial to children, and focusing on uh, like uh, what he thought was best. So I don't know if anybody could get a show like that started now, but if he were still around, uh, like you know, he is the person who would just sort of like put his head down and insist this is the way it should be done and make it happen. So, so you, you talked about the production oh. of uh, you talked about the production of these uh, shows, the current uh, shows for children, where it has to be fast cuts and it has to be you know all sorts of colors and all sorts of activity and things like that. What age group is that being edited for? Because my contention is between age about one and a half and about four, they don't know what that is. What they, they don't they don't care. They don't. That's not important to them. They're just watching some movement, and a quieting kind of a thing would be very beneficial for the younger people and for the parents. Right. And just like sometimes they're just responding to, like, hey, like, brightly colored stuff on uh, TV. Uh, I mean, I'm not up on all the latest studies, but I've certainly seen uh, said that you just, like, you know, the very youngest children under two really shouldn't have any screen time at all. Um, that, you know, just sort of like, it does them much better to like just not be watching TV until they get older. Well, everywhere I go, I see parents looking at their phone. They're out to dinner. Mm -hmm. Their children are either watching a movie with headphones on, so they're not engaging at all in their surroundings when they're out to dinner. It's like, why go out? Mm -hmm. I don't understand. Mm -hmm. I know. I know it is very weird. I mean, I'm... uh, you know, it's, uh, it's very, uh, you know, distractions are everywhere. Um, and, uh, you know, so we live in an ADHD world. And, uh, you know, I've, I'm as, I find it as tempting as anyone. Uh, that I've always been the sort of person who's been reading, like, six books at once. You know, sort of like I read a chapter of one, and then I skip over to the next. And it's very easy to feel like, oh, uh, you know, sort of like I'm plugged into, like, lots of different things. I've got this, like, real breadth of knowledge, and that's, like, exciting. But one of the, the fundamental lessons that, you know, sort of like Mr. Rogers believed and preached, and it's one that's hard for me to hear, but I really try, was he said, be deep and simple. 
Um, and he so strongly believed that, you know, sort of like strip out the complexities, you will find more by being deep and simple. And many of the most rewarding things in my own life come when I put that into action. When I sit down and I work on one project like a, jo- uh, like a book for a sustained period of time. Or the bonds I have with my family, or like when I'm settled down in a neighborhood. And so everything in the world is telling you do the opposite, being you know, sort of like shiny and complicated and uh, uh, scattered. But uh, I really try to take Be Deep and Simple and put it into action. We need to take a quick break. Can you stay with us? Do you have more time or do you need to move on? I would on? be happy to. Okay, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back with Gavin Edwards. What are the things you want to avoid when it comes time to sell your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl. If you're like most people, it's things like open houses, staging, decluttering, repairs, maintenance, and all the people coming through your house. Hey, Tom, the Guaranteed Offer Program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate was created for people like you so that you can avoid the things that you don't like doing when it comes time to sell your home. We have been presenting offers for homes in most price ranges. Homeowners are loving our guaranteed offer program, especially how much money they are making on their home sale without the inconveniences. So this program is for all price ranges and conditions, including perfectly maintained homes? Most homes do qualify. To see if your home qualifies, go to chrislindahl.com and click Get Offer right now. Will you be the next homeowner to accept an offer from our guaranteed offer program? Find out now. If you qualify, you will get an offer in 48 hours or less, and the best part is you get to pick a closing date that is convenient for you and close in as little as three weeks. Go to chrislindahl.com right now to see if you qualify or call 763-401-SOLD. That is 763-401-SOLD. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. Okay, we're back with Gavin Edwards. He's uh, promoting his book, Kindness and Wonder, Why Mr. Rogers Matters Now More Than Ever. Uh, I see you've written quite a few books. Oh, my goodness. Let's see. We're 11. 11 books. You are really a prolific writer. (laughs) He's written for the New York Times, Wired, (laughs) Billboard. GQ and appeared on television programs including the Today Show, Entertainment Tonight, and Jeopardy. He's also moonlighted as a game designer, a photographer, and a demolition derby driver. Mm-hmm. Had a very interesting mm-hmm. life. And now you're writing yeah, a book it's, about. Uh, it's been fun. I've gotten to do a lot of have a lot of adventures. Uh, you know, usually when I'm writing about it, it's been nice uh, to have uh, you know sort of. Some things that I do, and then sometimes just, you know, sort of getting to, like, be in the world of somebody else, uh, like uh, Fred Rogers or Bill Murray yes, or uh, Tom Hanks, and really just sort of immerse myself into their world. Walter Mitty-esque. Yes. Do you know? It's interesting. We've been talking about Mr. Rogers being, you know, the, or the series of the, the programming being non-existent or not available now. But is there? Is it still available? And is there still viewership? Do some parents who have watched Mr. Rogers have their children sure. watch it now? Um, so um, the show itself is no longer in uh, rotation on most PBS stations. Um, um, it is. Uh, there's 
lots of DVD sets, uh, most of them you know, sort of very affordable, and it also is streaming on Amazon Prime. Not uh, every episode ever, but dozens and dozens, as many as you could really ever ask for. Um, and you know, its uh, successor is a uh, show called uh, Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, yes. uh, which is made by uh, the production company uh, that also made uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And it's, uh, it's a cartoon. You know, it's, uh, uh, I don't uh, love it the same way as I uh, did Mr. Rogers when I was a kid, but they're definitely trying to sort of like keep the same spirit going. Yeah, Alex, Fawn watches Daniel Tiger, right? Every once in a while, yes. I love Daniel Tiger. It is very, yeah, it's very mm-hmm. calm and sweet. And my boys watched it. They learn good lessons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, I and mean, that's yeah. Bom- it's uh, you can see that you know they've learned from the, uh, the master uh, that you're like okay, you know it's a hard thing. Everyone answers this question differently for themselves. You know, like if you believe in like what Mister Rogers taught you, what's the best way of implementing it in the 21st century? Well, he's certainly, I mean, my kids watched him growing up. Everybody seems to have a a soft spot for Mr. Rogers. It seemed like there was all all of a sudden when my kids were little, a divide between the Sesame Street kids (laughs) and the Mr. Rogers kids. And it wasn't necessarily always an age thing. It was primarily, I think, a personality thing. And they they came on the air around the same time, um, and they had... You know, sort of a friendly rivalry, like even behind the scenes, uh, that, you know, and it's interesting because uh, Mr. Rogers, you know, sort of firmly believed um, that his uh, focus on, like, sort of emotional growth was more appropriate for preschool children than, like, drilling them on letters and numbers. But he respected that, like, they're, that they're, they had good intentions and uh, that, you know, they also, like, made a contribution. So he would never say an unkind word about them, uh, but uh, he actually once had uh, a big bird visit the show um, and uh, came into the neighborhood of make-believe, and uh, perhaps tellingly, uh, the week that he came to visit the show was uh, when the theme of the week was competition. I, have, I had a friend who was a teacher in an inner-city school, and she used to show those kids... Um, really old shows like Leave it to Beaver. And they would cry. Okay. They would watch these shows and cry because it was a world that they couldn't even understand. I mean, it was like a really tough neighborhood where, you know, you didn't really have the support of a family a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I mean, Mr. Rogers basically brought that kind of supportive message to everybody as well. Yeah, you definitely felt that he was just a very loving person. Like, I'd watch it, I'd feel so loved and calmed, and I'm just like, it was almost like he was giving you a hug with his words. I don't know. There was something about Mr. Rogers that that was wonderful, and just, you know, it was like you you wanted to have him in your home every day as a family member, you know? But uh, I don't know. And and I think, you know, sort of, you did have him in your home, and now you have him in your heart. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's sort of one of the things I really hope uh, that, you know, sort of the book helps, like, reawaken in people is, you know, sort of, it's easy to, you know, sort of, he means so much to you because, like, he gave you that daily hug. Mm-hmm. And just remembering that that's there, uh, you know, like, 
you know, most people don't think about it like when they're 16 or 17 or even when they're uh, 26, but like be reminded of what he meant to you and say, how do I then like reflect that out and you know, sort of like help the, you know, sort of like take what I learned from him and apply it to the world around me. Mm-hmm. Well, I love the fact that, you know, he, he played uh, with your imagination as a child and like we were talking about with the nurturing, all that stuff for developmental children. I mean, those years before even six, seven years old, that's all fundamentally important stuff mm-hmm. so that people can learn to get along. I mean, we just live in such a contentious world right now where everybody, mm-hmm. I want the credit and I want this and I, you know, it's well, just well, Why haven't sad. some of those lessons carried on into social media and the, and the, and the emotional and intellectual violence that you see in social media. Why well, is it not Mr. carried Rod- forward? Mr. Rogers went off the air before Twitter. <laughs> I know, but, 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 the, but the minds that were touched by him are now on, the, the last minds that were touched by him are now on social media, and, you know, you have all this emotional violence. There's no there's no uh, buffering of that uh, sort of stuff. He went off the air when? 20, what did you say? 2001. 2001. 2001, so. so t- well, it's kind of that out of sight, out of mind thing. If you If you're not... If you don't have that daily kind of affirmation of somebody like a Mr. Rogers, you kind of lose it. You know, but you, you, said you, that an adult would need Mr. Rogers to tell them not. To <laughs> a lot be of adults need jerk, Mr. Rogers yeah. on Twitter. <laughs> well, and there's a lot of people that aren't on Twitter for these very reasons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? oh, and, and maybe that's the answer is the people that are not on Twitter are the people who have carried forward Mr. Rogers' sort of values exactly. and his appro- approach, approach to life. Yeah, because Twitter is certainly not a Mr. Rogers vibe. I mean, later <laughs> in his life, uh, Mr. Rogers like, uh, would speak at a lot of college graduations. And uh, you know, even when he wasn't doing uh, the show in the final couple of years of his life, he basically tried to remind adults of the lessons that he had taught. Um, and you know, sort of, uh, you know, people get on Twitter, and you know, it's not his fault that they're not always uh, thinking about uh, what they taught. But like, you know, sort of, uh, the every now and then you do see like moments of kindness on Twitter, like sort of like like a flower growing out of the crack of a pavement or something. Yeah, and so, you know, sort of, I think the thing is to like embrace that moment and water that flower and uh, try to do what you can. Yeah, we all get confused when somebody's nice on Twitter, unfortunately, but. Yeah, it's just it it it's a sad world, but and I agree, we do need Mr. More Mr. Rogers more in our lives. We're talking to Gavin Edwards. He's written a book called Kindness and Wonder: Why Mr. Rogers Matters Now More Than Ever. He's an accomplished writer, and you can get your his uh, this book at Amazon and everywhere. I'm guessing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, everywhere books are sold. Do you have a Do you have a website? You'd like to promote? Um, uh, I have a website. The easiest way to get to it is gavinedwards.com. And ironically enough, I am on Twitter. <laughs> but hopefully not in a hostile way. Um, and it's Mr. Gavin Edwards, M-R-G-A-V-I-N-E-D-W-A-R-D-S. Great. Well, thank you for your time, sir. Well, good luck with the book. Thank you for a lovely conversation. I've enjoyed being here. Thank you. Bye-bye. Now, there's somebody who's carrying the Mr. Rogers philosophy. I know. I love it. I mean, I really do because, I mean, it's it's interesting. Tom and I, every once in a while, every fall, for some strange reason, we decide we're going to go back to church. Yeah. Yeah, It doesn't usually last long. No, it does. Like twice (laughs) a year, you're like, we're going to church for two weeks. I know because you start feeling like. 
you know, it's like you just you're driving down the street and everybody is just they're swerving around and they're not even paying attention that there's other people on the road and you go into a grocery store and people are cutting in front of you and they're bumping and people and you go on social media and people are mean. I mean, we've had some wonderful experiences. We had that smile network thing at our house. People couldn't have been nicer. We raised a lot of money for charity. We go to these things and people are doing wonderful work for lots of things, but it just seems like the day-to-day living, just people just are getting less kind to each other. They're becoming other. more and more New Yorkish. And it's, it's you know what, when, when we were spending a lot of time in New York, I never had any problems with anybody from New York. They were all helpful. <coughs> it's like if you got on a subway and you're like, hey, did I do the right thing? People would be helpful. They'd say, oh, you should get off here and go right across there. And I never had any problems with any One old man. I was trying to find the money in my purse to get out of the cab, and he was hitting me in my shins with his cane. Because oh <laughs> I wasn't hurrying fast enough. That Wasn't was the only lady. jerk of all the time that I Hurry spent up. in Manhattan that anybody was ever mean to me. Yeah. I don't have the experience that you and Dad do with people being horrible constantly. Like, but my life is not filled with me being irritated by people's behavior like you guys Are you on do. Twitter? No. Well, uh, yeah, that's for Dad, it's, Dad's the, not it's on literally Twitter. all the news. Mm-hmm. He, does Dad, him, he does he it to does himself. It to it's himself. because he, he won't stop watching Fox yeah. and CNN. He does it to himself. He does and watch it's, the news I have, like, I have very good experiences with people. The vast majority of my experiences with other human beings are very but, positive. But to his defense, that puts food on the table. I mean, that's kind of his work. That's kind of part of what he's doing. I mean, this that's a key true. part of... Well, and, it, and we're involved with other people at such a different level. I mean, we have got all kinds of different things going on. And when somebody screws something up, they screw something up, it, it turns into a big thing for us. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a lot of different moving parts in our lives. And if somebody's a jerk or drops the ball or something, it's just we always have to pick it up and we have to do it and we have to figure out what went wrong. And we, it, It's just it's a kind of a I think it's a different Thing. And you get to probably spend more time with people that are uh, supportive and helpful to you because, you know, you, you're, you're bringing people into your life that are helping you. Well, with you don't have subordinates care. or business interests. Or, or, mm-hmm. I have two subordinates. And I think with, I think with Tom, too, I think it, his, his issue with people is that when they drop the ball or make a mistake, they just don't care. Oh, yeah. I think that's what irritates them. Because people make mistakes. People, you know, it happens. But... There's a lot of, and it's a lot of millennials, I hate to say it, but they just don't care. Oh, well, I screwed up. You deal with it. What type of thing? Or being attacked on social media because of just something stupid. Mm -hmm. You know, it gets old. And the the cost, the the cost for all of us, particularly for you, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but there's the emotional piece to that. I mean, we talked off air. You have a a common friend that has, has had a serious issue in his life. And the emotional piece for is is a real thing. And and anytime someone drops the ball, it's not just the extra work, but it's the emotional piece being let down and that sort of stuff. Which you know you may be you may be following Mister Rogers, but when someone else doesn't follow Mister Rogers and doesn't care, it's a huge burden with that. Well, and that's the thing. It's like so, Dad. Like with this person, this person that <laughs> He's we not were here to talk about. No, Dad. Like, no. <laughs> talking about where it's like dad did a nice thing for this person and this person was very ungrateful for it Mm -hmm. 
to dad, it's, I did all this stuff to go out of my way and help him, and he doesn't even care, and why does I ever do anything good for anybody? That's how dad views it. Whereas other people mm -hmm. might be like, you know, oh, well, you know, he clearly doesn't care, and that's too bad, but I did my part to put more positivity in the world and show someone that I care about them. Mm -hmm. I, I, I totally agree, but when it happens over and over and I know, but over, hey, like maybe... almost every time you're nice to somebody, mm -hmm. you, 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 know, you get cynical. The, the no, yeah. the no it, good let... deed goes unpunished thing gets really... I, I, and I'm, I'm not going to young shame, but, you know... <laughs> <laughs> add, add, add about, uh, you know, 100 experiences and 30 years of life, and you're like, oh. oh here well, we go again. Here you go again. Oh, exactly. it's the same thing. You've done yeah. this. It's the same cycle, it seems. It just seems that way. Uh, that's well, why. so, but that's, you know, your, how you feel about things is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you perceive it. Yeah, but you'll perceive it differently once you've had multiple experiences. Yes, yeah, life experience. Multiple times. I'm, I just, I just, right. I just putting that out there. I'm just saying that that's a possibility because you get, you do get cynical, you get jaded when you see this thing, certain behaviors over and over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, you just say, oh well, yeah, there you go. Yeah, and especially when you see, you know, mistakes being made that are so horrible like with addiction or whatever. And it's like you try to support them and not be a codependent and not be an enabler and be a supportive person. And that type of person just keeps crapping all over every effort that you make. It gets Well, but I mean mm -hmm. addiction, it gets you can't, sad. That's your honestly, it gets if sad. you are trying to put on someone with an addiction problem that they are going to give half of a shit about anything except for what they're addicted to, that's your own fault. Yeah, pretty much. Well, that's your own fault for helping a friend? No, it's your own fault for thinking that they are going to do anything to... Or care about your care. efforts. Yeah, it's that's like, true. I mean... That's true. So I mean, if they don't true. care, then why would you care for them? Because it's just nice to care about people. Okay, well then you're... I mean, like, look, I mean, not that Dad was like this crazy drunk man all the time or anything but when he was drinking and how many conversations did you have with him about you know you need to change your behavior and this isn't good and we have young kids and all this stuff it's just like well that's also a marriage and a family though well yeah when we're talking yeah. about just like casual acquaintances you have zero reason to care yeah and that and that's and so so then that sterilizes you, you know, I mean, if you don't care about somebody if you don't care what they do and in response to what you do then why would you why, why are you putting the energy into this yeah okay, it's my why Just for you the put, good of humanity okay and, and that, that that that's a good thing but there's other humanity that's better that you could put that same energy to and you do get far more multiple multiplier of your goodness and kindness it's like trying well, yeah, to put out a fire a, in a house that has an electrical problem you don't, versus yeah, just building doing, a new house. Doing it's, good things to get good back doesn't always make sense either. Like, you don't well, do good, good things well, that's how it is supposed so get, to work. But it's not. It is but supposed to but work But it, it isn't a balance system. It's not, I'm not being like, oh, I'm going to be good so good will happen to well, me. Well, karma isn't, is supposed to be. It is no, supposed it is. to be a balance system. So it you is, say you want to do but good. But it's not like I'm saying, oh, I'm going to adopt a dog so someone will give me money. Like, it's just like I'm going to adopt a dog because 
it's a no, nice but, thing but, to do to and give you, a and dog you, a home. And you get the unconditional love from the dog. Yeah, yes. and you want a dog. You, you get, so, so, so you are getting something good back from that. So you are getting something good back from that kindness. And you get you know? the and you get the and, good and, feeling and, and, that you did something right. kind. Well, like yeah, opening. Right. Okay, that was a bad analogy. No, no, it's a great analogy. Opening a door for somebody that you you're walking into a building, you just open the door for them. They can say thank you. They cannot say thank you. I don't care. I know, and Dad will. And get he, mad about they didn't even for, say thank you. It's like, <laughs> whatever. Just well, open the door to be nice. That's because it all it all builds up. It all piles, piles up. Everybody, you know, you, you go through a lot of stuff, a lot of crap. The, the, the shit pile gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And the, all of a sudden, you're just no, like, I can't take any of it anymore. And you step it. <laughs> exactly. You, you can't get it off it. your shoe anymore. It's in the tread forever. <laughs> oh my gosh! I just I just watched something the other day that was like <laughs> the dog dirt's in the tread of the shoe for the rest of time. And the rest can't of your get life. rid of the smell either. I just no. I just watched something that had a really good analogy in it. This woman in the show was like, "Life is a big shit storm, and you have to grab as many. You have to stay as clean as you can, and grab as many gold bars as you can." And it was, and the guy was like, "How can you stay clean in a shit storm?" And the woman was like, "You can't." So don't bother trying. But you just have to try to grab as many gold bars as you can. Like try to get as much good out of it as you can, but you can't be like this. Don't wait a second. Let's let let clean let, let, and let's, wonderful. Let's, let's, <laughs> let, let, now let's go. So what, what's the game show? The game show they used to have the the whirlwind of money. Oh yeah. This is our this is our ticket out of this place. This is our ticket out of here. <laughs> our ticket out is to do you do the big the big whirling thing. You know they start grabbing for that money and all of a sudden the dog dirt comes in flying around and they're grabbing for the dollar bills, yeah. hundred dollar oh, bill, and that stops hitting them in the face. Oh. Sounds like a, a Japanese literal... game show from the 80s. <laughs> yeah, it's a literal <laughs> shit, shit story. All right, we're two minutes past oh, time. Tom here for my friends at Walzer Automotive Group with some exciting news. Walzer's rolling out Walzer Care on new and most used cars they sell in Minnesota. Well, Walzer Care is a powertrain warranty with coverage for 10 years or 150,000 miles. Powertrain coverage is like major medical coverage for your car. Engines, transmissions, all the really expensive stuff is covered. In addition, Walzer Care includes 24-hour roadside assistance. Lock your keys in your car, run out of gas, have a flat tire. Guess what? Walzer has your back. The best thing about Walzer Care? It's free with purchase. That's right, I said free. So, if you're shopping for a new or used Subaru, Honda, Nissan, Mazda, Toyota, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Hyundai, or Chevrolet, see my friends at Walzer. And get Walzer Care for free. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? Well, the latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us. We talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful. No question. You know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say, why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? <laughs> and I just had no answer. for. <laughs> he just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. You're having fun, fun, fun? Mm-hmm. Why are you having fun, fun, fun? 
Because I am. It's Friday. It is Friday. Dana Gould's in studio. What could be better? You know what I mean? Oh, you just got to turn them on. There's a switch on the side there. There's a little there. switch. A little... Oh, right there. That should do it. Well, that yeah, explains it. Now we're talking. <laughs> Took whoever me forever would, to Whoever figure. would have thought. <laughs> Funny story about the Beach Boys. What'd you do with my picture? Did you? I, it's in my house. Did you frame it? it yes, in my office. That's why I played well, the Beach Boys. But here's the thing. I learned something fan. about that picture. What? That is not a photo of Brian holding a photo. No. He's holding a mirror. Oh. Really? And they're standing across from him. Huh. Really? Yes. Andy Paley. I did who, not know that. Andy Paley, who knows Brian very well and produced his first solo album, mm-hmm. is one of my best friends. And he said, yeah, it's a mirror. Yeah, Brian sent that to me. I, I interviewed Brian, God, I don't even remember how many years ago. Nicest guy in the world. Yeah. He's such a sweetheart of a man. He's got problems, obviously. But sure. He should have gotten into radio if he's going to be mentally <laughs> yeah. ill. You know. uh, well, but, his problems was he had a problem, and then he was misdiagnosed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, had schizo- they, he has a schizoaffective disorder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, all of the Beach Boys were <clears throat> horribly abused by Murray, their they father. Were, yeah. Yeah. And only... Kids that were abused could write fun, fun, fun. <laughs> it's a because, fact. Because everybody else was just like, well, I'm not going to write a song about fun. I'll just go have fun. I'll but these kids fun. that have never had fun in their lives, like, it's aspirational. You have to inform <laughs> everyone how much fun you're having. Exactly. I, uh, <laughs> I talked to Mike Love a couple times a year. Matter of fact, he was just on the morning show a couple of, couple of weeks ago. And then he sued you for the, having I, the conversation. Ooh, <laughs> I like But he, yeah, he, he's, he was kind of like, Well, he had to be a stabilizing effect, though, being their cousin. Yeah, totally. I mean, it all worked. And I don't, if you really want to get into the weeds about the whole smile debacle, it's like, yeah, yeah. I totally see Andy Paley, who's one of Brian's best friends, because, like, I love Mike Love. And oh, really? Here's the problem with smile. It wasn't that good. Yeah. (laughs) They were right. It wasn't ready to release. And they released it a couple years ago. And when you listen to it, you go, yeah, Pet Sounds is better. Yeah, oh, oh Pet Sounds is one of the greatest albums of all <laughs> yeah. time. I, I was just talking to Mike Love about the fact that when I grew up, you know, growing up in the inner city, I didn't, we didn't have any money. I didn't have a car. I didn't have a girlfriend. Yeah. I damn sure didn't yeah. surf. Right. I didn't want to go be true to my school. Right. But I still love their music. Yeah. Well, it's. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's that was the that was the brilliant that was the brilliance the brilliance of it and. They gave us Charles Manson. I mean, they gave, they, they gave <laughs> yeah, us so they, much. Well, that was Dennis alone, though, wasn't it? Was that Dennis that's enough. You're still in the group. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You were still in the group at that time. What an era that was. I mean, you, you look back at that thing. I mean, that's my era of being a teenager yeah. and all the rest of it. You look back and it's like, man, there were a lot of crazy bastards. Well, have you seen Once Upon, have you seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yet? I have not. It's no. so good. It's long, though. It's yeah, but it just flies. Does I mean, it? To, yeah, it just flies. Right. I I actually I enjoyed. It was probably my favorite Brad Pitt role he's ever done. Oh really? Yeah. And he looked like Robert Redford. He looked like Robert Redford, but he's playing really the characters in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood mm-hmm. are based on Burt Reynolds and Hal Needham. Really? Oh. Who were neighbors of Sharon Tate? Right. Uh, oh, on El Cielo okay. Drive. And Burt Reynolds was trying to make the transition from being a TV actor to a movie star. A movie star, And yeah. in fact, in the, in the movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, they show Rick Dalton on an episode of the FBI mm-hmm. where he's in the army truck. Yes. That was Burt Reynolds. That was the actual episode of the FBI. 
and they put Rick Dalton in, but it was Burt Reynolds in reality, and all they did was put Leonardo DiCaprio over Burt Reynolds. Really? Oh, that was the wow. actual footage from the episode. No of way, I did not know. And Hal Needham was a stuntman who went on to become a who was, <laughs> went on to direct Smokey and the Bandit right. and all of those right. movies that uh, Burt Reynolds became famous I for. I did not know so that. So well, it was everything in that movie is loosely based on on mm -hmm. something in reality. Oh, even the guy that they had play Steve McQueen in the movie. He I was, was like, great. Whoa, really? And it was yeah. a very small part, but he looked just like Steve McQueen. It's the guy I from Billions. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, that guy uh, what who the was also in name? Homefront. Yeah, it was in Homefront, yeah. right? Yeah, I'll look that up. dude. He's British. Damn it! It was in the first ep the first season of of uh, first couple of seasons of. of yeah, he has red hair and he's British, and they put him in a blonde yeah. wig. And he looks yep. just like Steve McQueen. Well, yeah, because oh, Jesus. Well, I thought they almost deep faked him on, oh, really? on there because there were times where I'm like, "Is that Steve McQueen?" Just the way his mannerism and the dead in hell. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> a long time to be moving around. Yeah, yeah they could have cut that movie by like 40 minutes I think sure oh really there was some stuff that eh, that could have came out Quentin of Tarantino's not about cutting stuff no so. no. <laughs> I mean, no he didn't like to cut stuff Quentin and, Quentin and Judd they like they yeah. like to roll film yeah, I would say true. that's my favorite Quentin movie they'll never beat Marlon Brando though and One-Eyed Jacks baby <laughs> One-Eyed Jacks <laughs> 10 hours long when he, by the time he got done with yeah, it just, and that's the movie just before he blew up you can see yeah. him straining oh. at the bit of that oh. shirt <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> Hey, wait a minute, he's got a roll there. Yeah, Where'd that that's, come the, from? that's the one. That's true. That, that's what, but it, it, I was talking to uh, Allison Martino, who is on the next episode of my podcast, and she has a great Instagram, uh, whatever you call it, profile called uh, Vintage Los Angeles, mm -hmm. and she is sort of an expert in Vintage Los Angeles. Her father was Al Martino, used to work with the him. singer who played Johnny Fontaine in The yep. Godfather. Yep. And so she grew up. Right in that era, in the middle. She has Sammy Davis Jr.'s record player in her house. Really? We played oh, records cool. on Sammy Davis oh, Jr.'s Oh, God. And, you know, the parallel to 1969 and now is striking uh, in terms of, like, look at in Los Angeles. In 1969, show business did not know what it was doing. No, it's true, yeah. Because, you know, they're making Hello, Dolly, which is tanking, yeah. and then Easy Rider, makes mint and right. nobody none of the executives know what they're doing right. now because of streaming nobody knows what they're goddamn doing right. everybody is you're terrified. you're a hundred percent right yeah. about it. digital is destroying our world yeah everybody really is everybody nobody i can guarantee you because i go to these meetings nobody knows what the hell they're doing <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be comfortable for nobody, you it's terrifying but I you bet. just have to keep going i bet but it's 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 terrifying nobody knows what they're doing and in the way that the culture was divided in 1969 because of Nixon and the war, yeah. culture's divided now. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Just as bad, if not worse, because of, it's worse uh, now, yeah. of uh, social media and, and the you know the willing willing exception of disinformation. Um, so the parallels are pretty pretty creepy. Mm -hmm. Which they all are. this means is. In a couple more years, we get disco again. I have an Al Martino story for you if you want to hear yeah, it. Yeah, I'd love very, to hear it. And then I'll good. have one for you. Though. So Al Martino. I have a great story, but this is not the time or the place. <laughs> yes, it's not the time or the place to tell it. So many years ago, during the 1970s and early 80s, I was a promotion director, traveling promotion director for Capitol Records. And Al Martino, uh, Al Martino was on Capitol Records. Yes, he was. Right? So I get a call one day from Al. And Al was a very nice guy. He's really easy to work with. Yes, really nice guy. Apparently a lovely guy. Lovely guy. Yeah. He calls me one day and he goes, hey, Tommy, it's Al. I go, how you doing, Al? How was everything? Well, I got a problem. I just want to let you know up front, since you're the guy that will be probably handling this for Capitol. I say, yeah, what's that? And he goes, I was arrested for shoplifting. 
And I said, in Worcester, Massachusetts. Very good. Oh yeah, they're, they're very it's good. Because I grew, I was, yeah, I was right. arrested. I, I was. Yeah, you were arrested. I, I was arrested. <laughs> I grew up there, and I remember that story. Yeah. He was performing at the Chateau de Ville. That's phenomenal that you know this. Most people have no idea. So he goes, I was arrested for shoplifting, but I want you to know, Tommy. I, I just want you to know about everybody else that I didn't do it. And I said, yeah, you know, it's not a problem. I'll take care of it. And, uh, you know, that's whatever, whether you did it or not. He goes, no, 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 not whether I did it or not. I didn't do it. I just want you to know up front, you know, you know me. I work very, very hard. There was just no reason for them to think about this and blah, blah, blah. So just when you go out there and tell people that I didn't do it, you, you can know for sure that you're telling the truth on my behalf. I said, that's great. So what would you steal? And he goes, socks and underwear. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget it as long as I live. What a great story. And he just, that was it. Al was great. I remember when that happened. Yeah. I remember when that happened. Great that guy. Was, the Chateau de Ville was like the place near me where you could go see famous people. But it, so I said, so, all right, here's a weird, this is the perfect segue <laughs> for this. When I was 16, my mother took me to the Chateau de Ville to see George Carlin. That was the first oh, time I saw yeah, George Carlin. Yeah. The first words in George Carlin's album, FM and AM, are, I was, fired from the frontier in Ho- I was fired from the Frontier Hotel in Las Vegas for saying shit in a town where the big game is called crap. <laughs> good joke. Allison has in a frame in her house the handbill from that show because he was opening for Al Martino. It was Al Martino with George really? Carlin at the Frontier Hotel. God. And I said, and she goes, yeah, that's the show. And I said, your dad must have been pissed. And she's like, no, she, he, liked, he liked comedians more than singers. He was just like, he yeah. care. He just felt bad for George. It's like, hey, whatever. Yeah, it all works yeah. out in the end. And Sinatra hated Al Martino because Sinatra hated the whole Johnny Fontaine story yeah, he did. from The Godfather. He did indeed. And she told me, Allison told me this great story, that they go to Mr. Chow's. No, Chasen's. They go to Chasen's. Okay. Johnny, uh, they're taking, uh, the movie's done, movie's out. And Al Martino's taking uh, the guy who wrote The Godfather. Uh, Mario, Mario Puzo. Puzo. Thank you, Mario yeah. Puzo. Takes nice Mario, guy, too, by the way. Yeah. Takes, really nice. Well, this story makes it look nice. Takes him out to Chasen's. And Mario Puzo worships Frank Sinatra. And Frank Sinatra's in the restaurant. But Frank Sinatra's not happy. And Mario Puzo goes, I have to go say hi to him. And I was like, no, I don't think we should do that. I don't think we should do that. And then he, Al finally... Mario Puzo gets up. He walks over to Sinatra's table. He's there for about 45 seconds. He goes, like, we got to go. We got to go. We got to go. Whoops. He goes, Frank Sinatra said he's going to break my fucking leg. <laughs> well. And then I was like, sit down. He's not going to break your leg. Sit down. You're going to be fine. And then he goes, like, for the next day, like, he was calling from his hotel. I heard a car backfire. I think they're coming for me. <laughs> Don't you love that whole era? There's yes, so I many do. I miss stories. it so much. I, well, I, I was never a part of it, but I like. But you miss it. I miss it. And I, like I, I, I do. Like, I do like that, like, you know, when you'd have to. Like, wear a suit to go on a plane. Yeah, you, know? you, you had to dress up. You get lobster on the plane. You God. know, they're trying to woo you into the plane. I, I found it really bizarre. Like, still, when I go on a plane and there are guys in shorts and flip-flops. I know. <laughs> I know. It's like you're actually you're in exposing public. me to all this. Yeah, and plus, if, that, if, the, if the plane has a problem and you need to get off it, flip-flops are not going to be helpful. No, not very true. <laughs> you know, they're going to melt. Do you, why do you think it is that people have decided that's the right? There, there was a woman. I don't know. I, I don't know. She sent out a picture. She's in her airline seat, and the guy behind her has Barefoot. His, yeah, yeah. I, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Like this. Yeah. It's like right over the top of her head, his bare feet. I'm like, Jesus. It's it's because of the waiting in line and having to take stuff off. They would just rather go yeah. 
and stand in line and be almost naked. But they don't know not to put your bare feet over somebody's oh, head. That part, yeah, I, that's just. See, I got to be honest with you. Just rudeness, I, is just lack of manliness. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, as you know. Uh, JB and Andy would The Death of Civility. The The name of my new comedy special. (laughs) Oh, it's going to fly off the shelves, I'll tell you that. It's going to be unbelievable. The Death of the Semicolon in Modern Grammar. (laughs) I like it. That works for me. Yeah, I just, I I do kind of worry about that, that people want to be victims. They want to be angry. They want to act like jerks. I don't, why do you want to be so unhappy? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I think that it's always been like this. Everybody has the same observation it's just it, it it's the magnitude of it gets worse yeah, i yeah. suppose yeah More i people, mean think, I about, suppose, yeah. think about 1969 like okay this is this is we're really going down a rabbit hole um uh so i love dragnet the yeah. show dragnet yeah i love jack yep Rapp. yep and just as a writer i admire the uh the the facility that he has in telling a story like and those things Fly. I mean, those move like locomotives. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, you know, every sentence adds information. I really enjoy it, and I and I listen to the radio show, and then I watch the TV show, and and it started off as a crime drama on mm-hmm. the radio, yeah. and in the fifties, yep. and then when they brought it back in the late sixties. It immediately just became cops versus hippies. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's and, true. And, and it's I all about, like, about that. Entire episodes of like, don't be rude to policemen. Right, but policemen are working very hard. Yeah. Police brutality is overblown, and it's just like, it's just like, what happened to what happened to get, catching the bank robbers? It's like, hey man, I'm not going to go. That's a white man's laws. I'm not going to go downtown with you. <laughs> I know. I Everything has it. to have a message. Yeah, but Everything has a message. Now. But what's also amazing is that Jack Webb, who was a rank conservative yeah. at the yep. time, mm-hmm. when you listen to him today, he's liberal. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Yeah, by by Dave's hands, like, oh, he's he's open minded. He believes that everybody's equal. I had an an uncle who, because my mother was an ardent Democrat, just loved, you know, we were poor and all that stuff. So she loved being a Democrat. And her brother was a Republican. And I I remember listening to him. And you're right, he'd be quite liberal today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's uh, they've really, they've really, everybody is driven to the far extreme of the the ideological spectrum. See, I don't, I, I don't really want to go through life where I hate half the people. I don't really want to live like that, you know? What else is new? That's what <laughs> yeah, exactly. Half. How'd you get it down yeah, to half? I got it all down to half of the people. My daughter, gave me a, my daughter gave me a T-shirt for my birthday that said, I like horror movies and maybe three people. <laughs> Perfect. They have it in double X. (laughs) Well, they have that other one, that meme that went around. It said, the more and more people I meet, the more and more I love my dog. Yeah, well, there you go. We've got to take a break. Be right back in two minutes more with Dana Gould and the family. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. There's no better time than now to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they wanted to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today 
or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK. Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Tom Bernard with my buddy and CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Tell me, Michael, we've been talking about North American Banking Company for a few years now. One thing we've discussed is that the bank is locally owned and operated. Well, how does that benefit your customer? Tommy, projects and opportunities for expansion come up quickly for business owners. A locally owned and managed bank like North American Banking Company means decisions can be made just as quickly. We know Minnesota. We live in the communities we serve. So we have experience and firsthand knowledge for what's happening in your life where you live. That means decisions are made here. We don't ship them off or pass the buck someplace out of state. Finally, getting our customers quick answers allows them to take decisive action, and that's how business gets done. Man, Michael, you're getting good at this. Practice makes perfect. Uh, Perfect. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. A lot of drive. <laughs> Indeed. Do you think most people know what dolomite even is? Well, they, oh, they don't. It's they a stone, know now. but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, hopefully they know now. And it's we're talking about the movie Dolomite. Yeah. It's so great to see Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. Trying again. Yeah, that's true. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. he's so fun, he's so crazily talented. Do you think this is going to revamp his career? I, his career was ready to be revamped whenever he wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, he, as he said, I don't know him, but my friends wrote Dolomite and they know him. And he goes, I've just been sitting on the couch. I love it. Yep. Well, his role in Dreamgirls is great. He was fantastic. Yeah, he's basically James Brown. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And and I was like, and he didn't really get. The accolades I thought he deserved for that role. I no, he didn't. He, and, he didn't. I thought kind of the Nutty Professor. If you don't win Best Actor for the Nutty Professor, no one should win Best Actor. You, <laughs> I'm totally. You create six incredibly specific, believable, hilarious characters. Mm-hmm. Who else? You know, like Eddie Murphy and Peter Sellers. That's it. The only yeah. can do yeah. that. Um, I mean, it's it's brilliant, and no, but when you also when you look at Eddie Murphy, he became a super duper star at eighteen, nineteen. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, in, right. in nineteen eighty three, nobody was bigger than Eddie Murphy. That's right. Yeah. It was it was insane. And you're nineteen. You're a kid. Your your brain is not even fully formed yet. Not for another six, seven, eight years. Yeah. As a matter of fact. Yeah. yeah. And so when you look at, I, I'm sure that having all of that lunacy on you at that point when your personality is still forming and your brain is still forming that just being at home with his family is very comforting because he goes like okay i know all these people really right, like me right, <laughs> no, right. nobody is here because i'm famous no one's here because i'm famous i wonder do you go i used home. to make fun of him for always having an entourage oh yeah yeah but now i was of course he did no, of course he did yeah. who else he had to n- n- trust the people that were around him or you don't trust anybody wouldn't you go home at 19 20 years old and goes what the hell am I going to do now? Yeah, it's it's it's. Uh, I've got to be extremely stressful. Well, yeah. my husband he was listening to the audiobook "Wild and Crazy Guys" and how comedy mavericks of the '80s changed Hollywood forever. Mm-hmm. It's by Nick DeSelman or DeSelvio. No, it's DeSel DeSel. It's a hard one. It's S E M L Y E N. Salmon. Maybe that's how it's pronounced. I'm not sure. Semen? Yeah, it's, yes, it's Nick semen. semen. Mm-hmm. Yes, well, Nick, Nick, Nick semen. Jis- Nick Jisman. 
I yes, <laughs> that's exactly. A lot of jizz in there. I actually like the audio book because it's narrated Decemblian. by Curtis Armstrong. <laughs> Bo- Booger, Booger from uh, Nerds. Right, yes. And yeah. it goes through all the, and it talks, he has a whole chapter on Eddie Murphy and what he went through with SNL and then mm-hmm. how he branched out and what he went through to, to try and make it. And, like, nobody thought he was funny. When he was younger, yeah, and he had to really try and. and what do you mean nobody thought he was funny? And, well, they, the part, they, originally he wasn't, and he wasn't their first choice. Rob Barnett was their first choice. Yeah. Oh, and, really? And Rob couldn't read cue cards. He he just kept going Oops. back. He just kept going back to yeah. SNL, saying, "Put me on, put me on," and they finally did, and he was a huge hit. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, I think he started off with the Gumby. Uh, yeah. I think that was kind of one of the his Jewish first... Gumby. Gumby damn it! Gumby damn it! Yeah, but yeah, it's a, it's a really good book. I recommend it if you love comedy. You know, it talks about what if you hate comedy. <laughs> <laughs> what if you hate comedy? I mean, you don't ever want to do it. You again. know, like Bill Murray, Chevy Chase, Eddie Murphy. Um, All the SCTV guys were, were part of that. John Candy. Yeah, they talked God, about that as well. So it. Steve Martin. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it was it's you would love that book. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know so. As as big as Eddie Murphy was in 1983, Steve Martin was bigger in 1978. Oh my God, was he huge! And Steve, and because of the way media is segmented now, no one will ever be that big again. But yeah, that's true. Steve Martin was every single living human being. Mm-hmm. Was going, excuse me. <laughs> I know. And everybody had that best fishes poster in their bedroom because it came in the Let's Get Small album right, right. or Wild and Crazy Guy album. Yeah, no, it was just, and that's when I was a teenager and figuring out that I wanted to be a comedian. So all that stuff I know really well. St. Yeah. Paul Civic Center, probably 77, 78, something like that. Right around then, anyway. St. Paul Civic Center, Steve Martin's doing the show, 20,000 people yeah. in, the, in the auditorium. <laughs> and he walks out and he goes, I would like to begin with my dime trick. And he yeah. holds up a dime. <laughs> yeah. And these people are like thousands of yeah. feet away from <laughs> It was really funny. Yeah. yeah. Really he's, good. He's and great. He played mm. the Universal Amphitheater and the Blues Brothers opened. Really? Imagine being at that show. God, oh. yeah. <laughs> it's just what? insane. We we saw him and uh, Martin Short. They were touring. Oh together. yeah, I would love to have seen that. Oh, Martin's it was great. so good, and he played the banjo. He is so mm-hmm. talented with. Yeah, he was a he's a, brilliant, he's a brilliant banjo player. Yeah, and, and it wasn't like Steve, overdone. not Martin. Martin's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Martin but the, Short. But Poor those, Martin. I love Martin. I don't know. I I miss those comedic duos, and mm-hmm. they were really good. Like I loved. Well, Abbott you know, and Bobcat Goldthwait and, and I are touring together. You are doing just that. Oh. We're uh, and uh, and oh, I don't know if you're so yeah, Bobcat Goldthwait, who I'm sure you all know. Yes, mm-hmm. I've known Bobcat for a million yeah. years. He's one of my best friends, and uh, he said about a year ago, I was like, we should do some dates together, only because we could hang out. Because when you live in LA and you have, like I have seven jobs and three kids, right, and right. It's like you know, like it's like let's just do some dates and we can hang out. So we did some dates, and we quickly discovered. The way it started was I would go on stage. We'd go on stage together, goof off for five or ten minutes, flip a coin, and then I would go on or he would go on depending on the coin flip. Right. And people deci- and we quickly realized that people liked it better when we were on stage. So we just started staying on stage the whole time. I would do a bit. It would lead to something of his. And he would do mm-hmm. a bit. Then we'd talk mm-hmm. together. And then it would go someplace else. And I know his inventory. He knows my inventory. And... We're both very uh, respectful of each other, so it's, right. it, was, it works really well, and we quickly developed uh, this really great show. We were going to film it, because uh, Bob's a great director now, we were going to Atlanta mm-hmm. to film it in August to do a, uh, to, as a special. Mm-hmm. 
as we were literally pulling into the theater, we got T-boned by a guy doing about 50. Oh. Uh, we were in the back seat of the car. We only were going three blocks, so we were not wearing seatbelts. We broke our ribs on each other. Oh, oh. man. Uh, I got a bruised lung. Bob got a pretty severe concussion. Went to the, the you know the the cheap ass hospital you know Grady Hospital. Ask us about our real beds. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> you know um, it's like you know it's like we pull in. You know, are you here for a cat abortion? No, there's been a car accident. Oh, okay, get the bigger tools. Um, and uh, and so yeah, no, that and uh, we recovered from that, and we're going to do it again in February. But that's oh, good. Did you did you get back. my text after you were in town with him last time? I texted you. Did you ever get? Yes, I did. Yes, oh, I did. did. Yes, I, okay. Yeah, yes, I did. Yeah, because yeah, you guys because you couldn't make it out. Right? I would love to have you guys on because I didn't know you were coming. We were in and out. You know, yeah, we were yeah, in you were in and out because yeah. we were doing a series of days. We were like right. It was like different different city every day. Yeah, but so. ne- seriously, reach out next time because I promote the hell out of it. Yeah. I, I haven't seen Bob now in a few years. Yeah, but uh, he's always been great. He's great. He's the a best really guy. Nice guy. He's the best guy and he's a very um, nice man. Super great and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously one of my best friends, so I'm not going to shit on him. But, uh, but and we really had a great time together uh, on stage. And we also, as Bob said, and at one point we tried to merge into one comedian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> become one comedian in a car accident. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, and it took us a while. You know, when you go to the hospital with a broken rib, the only thing they can do is give you a bill for $8,000. Yeah. That's the only thing they can do for it. That's pretty much true, isn't it? Yes, you can't absolutely. set a broken rib, really. No. No, you They're can't. Like, okay, go home. They just make sure there's nothing else. Yep, no bleeding in the organs or anything. Right, like that. and there you go. Puncturing a lung. Yeah, I had a bruised lung, and then uh, and then then you go home and you can't do anything oh, for no. six weeks. I've never in my life walked around my house in mortal dread of farting. <laughs> Here yeah. it comes. Oh, because it hurts. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, I coughed. Like, I yep. swallowed oh. something. Or I sneeze like, or I, laugh. I, it doesn't... If you sneeze, you it's like you get shot. Yeah. It feels like you got shot. Yeah, I bruised my ribs in high school playing football. And yeah. that was painful. Yeah. yeah. It's brutal. Mm-hmm. And that the first time I, the first time I coughed... Um, I really felt like I got shot. Like I was like, "Hey, oh, yeah. <laughs> somebody just shot in my house. Yeah, I feel like I got tased. <laughs> I feel like I got, yeah, it was really shocking. Yeah, you know that's a great. I just because I was out, actually I was out of town when you guys came to was it the uh, Cedar Theater? Right. Yeah, it was the Cedar Theater, and I was out of town when you guys came in, and I wish I had known when you were going to come because that's our crack publicity. <laughs> well, next time we didn't know we were in town. Well, that's true. Yeah, exactly. But uh, next, I would. Yeah, like I said, I haven't seen Bob in a long, long time now because he's. You know, like he's, I watch. Uh, you know, I watch. So all he's his a director movies. now, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely, and a very good one. He is. I agree. Yeah, I think he does a great job. But you two together, I, I got to believe, would be terrific. It's great, and and we didn't plan on developing. Like we were just like we'll tour together, and I'll mm-hmm. do a set. You'll do a set, and uh, and it quickly. That's great. It's really good, and. Um, um, Bob is now, you know, Bob made the documentary Call Me Lucky mm-hmm. about Barry Crimmins, and uh, now he's uh, writing that as a as a feature, as oh, a yeah, narrative okay. feature. How would it, because you, both you and Bobcat in your careers have done a lot of, not way over the top, but a lot of politics. Now, 
Is that even wise anymore? Are people sick to yeah, death? Yeah, I don't. It? I honestly, yeah, I talk about stuff in culture and in the world, but I don't go right into politics for a yeah. couple for yeah. a couple reasons. You know, I've I've had I did you know when when I started in 1982 mm-hmm. when I was 17, right? And I did jokes about Reagan. People laughed. Yeah, I did jokes about Bush. People laughed. I did jokes about Clinton. People laughed. Right. I did jokes about George. People laughed. You do jokes about Trump, you get death threats. Oh, you. I know. You know, it's just all of the and humor. All now. of the humor has gone out of it. And I don't want to divide <sighs> up the crowd like that. I don't want to trigger some Yahoo. Yep. And it's also, it's not funny. No. You know? It's, it's just like, no, it's not yeah, funny. It's, it's just, too easy it's, thanks to the social media. It's too easy. They're layups. They don't, it doesn't do anything. Yeah. Remember how Jon Stewart... Completely destroyed (laughs) George Bush. No, he had two full terms. Right. Nothing. It does nothing. It does nothing. And Carlin called it layups. Yeah. It's just like it's batting practice. It is. Layups. You know, what's amazing about that is because I tend to. But I don't know how you joke about Trump. That would be interesting. I don't know how you do it. Yeah. You know, it's like. Yeah. How do you make fun of something that's making fun of itself? I mean, you might not. Donald Donald Trump is the Andy Kaufman presidency that we didn't get. You know. Well, maybe he is, maybe he is Andy Kaufman. We just don't know it. Yeah, it's a possibility. Um, you know, it's like you can't make fun of, of of that. I don't know how to do it. Yeah, I mean, look. Basically, who would be the two front runners now would be Trump and Biden, and it's like either one of them. Do you know what the hell you're talking about? I mean, just ramble yeah, but, uh, on. The, uh, but people say, yeah, Biden stuttered. I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to go for the guy that doesn't put kids in cages. I don't care what else he does. So you couldn't, you couldn't <laughs> yeah, go out. Like, yeah, you couldn't. Yeah. Well, you can't support anybody then. Yeah. Because they've all done it. <laughs> yeah, but I, don't, I think that this is extreme. I think, uh, you know, and the fact that it's extreme is proven by the fact that on May 8th, they mm-hmm. made a big announcement that they were going to do it. And right. if it wasn't a new policy, they wouldn't have announced that it was a new policy. No, I, I understand and, what and, you're you know, it's just like, it, it, just for that alone, like, nah, I'm out. I'm out. But aren't you? I, I, see, I'm in a position right now where I'm kind of out of everything because, like I said, I'm pretty centrist. Yeah. And the reason As I'm, I'm out, out. I'm a very conservative Democrat. The reason, the reason that I'm out of it is because when I say something, if they're very liberal, I'm a conservative. You can't win, yeah. No, you can't win. And no. if they're very conservative and I'm liberal, you cannot win right now. Oh, no. I'm a, I'm a very pragmatic, yeah. conservative, leftist Democrat. It probably has very... You know, in in my in a perfect world, I'm I'm probably I'm a lot more left than my political leanings because I know what country I live in, mm-hmm. and I know it's not my way or the highway. And I'm and I've had it up to here with these Bernie Bros. I can't talk I to know. any MAGA people, and I was like, yeah, fine, get whatever you want to talk to. It's great, I, right? You know, right? You know, uh, uh, I will vote for the dem. I will vote. I will vote for the Democrat candidate's car. <laughs> before I vote for Donald Trump. Well, I understand. But, uh, so I have a question for you, and you yeah. don't have to tell me. Yeah. I don't understand why people don't like Tulsi Gabbard. What did she do? Uh, well, she she's a Republican who has a really? D after her name. Really? Yeah, so? I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, she's she's beloved by Fox News. She parrots. Yeah, that's true. She's, yeah. She parrots Putin's talking points. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. Hillary know. called her a, a she, Russian but she, plant. But she does. I mean, she does. Para- and, and I have, you know, um, you know, I have friends that are Republicans that are mm-hmm. never, never Trumping Republicans. Yeah. No, and, I know. and they're, I know. you know, if you look at their tweets about Tulsi Gabbard, it's like, you know, this read better in the original Russian. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like Assad is not our buddy. Yeah, Ukrainian yeah. Is, Ukraine yeah, no, is not our enemy. Right. And, you right. Know. 
No, I understand that whole deal. It, and it's like you can't, but that's a, that's an extreme case. I don't. I what drives me crazy is like, you know, if you don't vote for Bernie, planet's gone in two years. I know what okay. a joke that but, is. Yeah. I mean, come on, really. I like Bernie Sanders. I don't think he could pass a freshman econ class. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> pretty sure. You know, but um, yeah, he's, I don't know. All of them. I really got nobody. I'm, that's where I am right now. Is I, I got think nobody. I think it would be. I think it's going to end up being Biden, Elizabeth Warren, or Pete Buttigieg. Yeah, yeah. They're all competent. Warren is not going to uh, get everything done that she wants to get done because no. I don't think her plans are. You know, I don't know. I'm just like people are people are scared of radical change. Yeah, trillions and, and, of dollars scares people. And the people and, and, the, <laughs> and the thing is not to get into the weeds on this, but like Don, Donald Trump has changed the civic discourse in this country. Mm-hmm. The country still operates fairly similarly because our system was designed to not be open to right. radical right. immediate change. And the same thing is going to happen to Bernie Sanders or it's like, yeah. you know, th- this is a, a, a Mack truck and the president is the hood ornament. Uh, you know, it doesn't really drive it. The, the biggest problem that I do have as far as it, let, Oh God, we gotta take a break. We'll come right back in two yeah. minutes for it. We only have one segment that this, this hour is blowing God by. Damn it. We'll be right back. I wish I was dead. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. Start the new year looking great and feel even better by losing 20 to 40 pounds with help from my friends at Ultimate, powered by Nutramost. It's Tom, and I'm thrilled to let you know that for a very limited time, you'll receive 20 to 30% off all programs with Ultimate's New Year's resolution sale. Do what I did and let Dan and Neil Sheehy and the staff at Ultimate help you change your relationship with food forever. With the help of Ultimate, I lost 41 pounds and another 42 pounds in each of my two 40-day programs. Debbie P. from Anoka lost 31 pounds in 43 days. Cheryl S. of Webster lost 36 pounds in 43 days. And Ron D. from Lakeville lost 57 pounds in just 43 days. Live your healthiest life starting today. Schedule an immediate consultation and receive 20 to 30% off all programs for a limited time. Call Ultimate, powered by Nutramost. 763-333-7337. 763-333-7337. 763-333-7337. We didn't start the fire. Who didn't start the is this, fire? Is this Robbie Shankar covering <laughs> yeah. Joel? <laughs> Robbie. So, the birthday boy. Yes. He's born on the day that JFK is assassinated. That's I really know. nice. I want to wish my husband a very, very happy birthday. He turns 52 today. Oh, so he wasn't even born when JFK no, was No, he'd no, have he to was... be 56. 56, yeah. Yeah, yeah because he, JFK was killed in 63. So he was just about what? I can't do math in my head right now. 
Four. Four years, years later. <laughs> okay. Four, Four years, years later, later, he was born. Yeah. He was just a filthy thought. Yeah. <laughs> he was a, you're a filthy thought. I'm going to use that from now on. Somebody says something, I go, yeah, you're a filthy thought. Yeah. <laughs> just, just a filthy <laughs> thought. Just look away. It'll <laughs> 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 be really great, as a matter of fact. Happy birthday to Dave. That's wonderful. His TV show got Scorpio. picked up Scorpio. Yeah, I'm yes. a Scorpio, too. Well, Uh-oh. yeah, so he's with this cusp of Scorpio and Sagittarius. Oh, that's terrible. Did the show get picked up, I heard? Um, oh, for a second season? That's what I heard. I, I'm i not sure. What's his show? Um, He has a new show on Travel Channel called Holzer Files. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, it's, he's, it's, well, Travel Channel's like going all paranormal. I mean, they're just yeah, pumping they out paranormal they? shows. Um, well, naturally. That's a perfect fit. <laughs> travel, uh, travel. Guys, remember I, when the History Channel was educational? <laughs> and yeah. Right? Yes, and I do remember Now it's that. just what people in the Klan do during the day. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what the what? hell is that? ACHC, what's that one? The American... Fishing with your hands. <laughs> <laughs> noodling. Fishing with noodling. Is, noodling, that's noodling. what it's called. Uh, yeah, there noodling. you go. Um, noodling. <laughs> no, one thing I like how Dave, what Dave does is that he teaches history in a way that kids... Yeah, he, he, you know, so contextualizes like, history. Yeah, so yeah. he take he takes history and wraps it into paranormal because when he goes to these locations, these are historic locations and stuff like that, and it's a fun way to learn history. And but next week's episode, you have to tune in. It is so creepy. It, it oh oh, gotta get does he have chills to, thinking does he about have it. To, like sometimes muck it up like this is the oldest dairy farm in Wisconsin. <laughs> no, Count Floyd. That sounds like Count, Count Floyd. Floyd yeah. <laughs> oh, I loved Count Floyd. <laughs> Here's the brilliance of Count Floyd. I loved Count Floyd. He, the newscaster was Floyd. It was the same guy. Right. It was the yeah, same it was the guy. Yeah. <laughs> it was. That show. Um, but that yeah, show was a Russian novel of hilarity. It was phenomenal. Yeah, the whole the Holzer files. It, it, I don't know if you ever heard of Hans Holzer. No. Um, he was kind of like the first American paranormal investigator. Okay. And he has hundreds and hundreds of cases, and some of them weren't really solved or concluded. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like cold cases for the paranormal. They go back right. into these cases and. Hey. Kind and, of conclude them. And so. 87% of the solved cases are squirrel in the attic. Squirrel in the yeah. attic. Well, they, the squirrel. They'll, they'll debunk something. It, raccoon, in the, raccoon in the chimney. <laughs> but yeah, but seriously, tune in next week. You are going to be blown away. Really? They catch some really weird stuff. Uh, um, something has happens on camera and something happens to one of their crew members that's... Um, Pretty profound and creepy. Why don't I see? I've been around my whole life, lived in some of the biggest dumpy houses. We lived in 43 <laughs> different houses when I was a kid. Wow. 43. Never saw anything. God hates me. I, I would love to see an apparition or whatever the hell they're called. Me, the guy who used to do comedy, he's a TV writer around him, Bob Nickman. And he had the greatest joke. It was one of those jokes like, oh, I wish I could steal that. It's not. It's Bob Nickman's joke. But it's like, you know, whenever anybody is visited by a spirit, it's always like Cleopatra. Or, oh, yeah. You know, it's never like oh, a yeah. plumber from Cleveland in the 40s. <laughs> Too boring. Do, do you have any messages for us, great spirit? Don't put copper wire on PVC tubing. It'll melt. <laughs> I saw an apparition wearing painters overalls. Yeah, that's what I want. You did? Yeah. I want to see a house. ghostly plumber anyway. crack. My brother is a... <laughs> oh, God, thank you for that. Ghostly plumber crack, by the way, or is at First Avenue this weekend. Yeah. Yes. Um, my yes. brother Kevin uh, is a home inspector and in Massachusetts, and he called me up one day. He's like, "Are you near a computer?" 
I go, yeah. He goes, will you look up 427 Asheville Street in Millville? I go, why? He goes, see if it's haunted. (laughs) See if it's haunted? And I go, did anything happen? And he goes... No, but it looks just like the house and the ghost of Mr. Chicken. Well, see, Don Knotts is haunting the house. That's right. Yeah. Exactly boo! Ah, boo, Ange! <laughs> oh, that would be a great one. Well, I'm going to get pretty scary tonight, so everybody, everybody just get ready. I loved him. Ghost of Mr. Chicken, painfully underrated movie. Painfully underrated. Painfully underrated. He had one of the shakiest gun in the West. He yeah. had a bunch of hits. He had a bunch of hits. He and did. Then the Love God, where he played Hugh Hefner. Oh, right. The, 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 the perfect combination, Don Knox and sex. <laughs> yeah, those two don't mix. Oh, poor Don. I'm poor sure Don. many a woman thought he was gorgeous. He was, he was a lovely man. I yeah. met him. Uh, he did really The Simpsons. Nice I met him. And uh, I had a Ghost of Mr. Chicken poster, because I do love that movie. And I had yes. him sign it. Could you sign this? Do calm and murder go together? <laughs> and he went, is that a joke in the movie? <laughs> yes, it is. As a all right. Back. All right. Nah, that God is terrific. God, you must have met everyone. I have met everyone. Uh, you know, people keep saying, when are you going to write a book? When are you going to write a book? And I, I actually think I might want a book call. I met everybody because I have met everybody. You probably have, yeah. Yeah, in comedy, certainly. I've met everybody. I worked with Bob Hope, and I did a TV commercial with Bob Hope and went to Disney World with Bill Hicks in the same two-month really? period. Uh, <laughs> that would be pretty interesting. Bill yeah. Hicks at Disney World. That must have been quite the... Yeah, we didn't do any rides. We just walked around. You just walked around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could we see that. We were both in Florida together. and was like, I don't know. I guess we should go to Disney World. Yeah. yeah. Well, it is nice. Yeah, we, we just walked around. <laughs> yeah, why not? Just go yeah. over there and walk around. Everything is people watch. Yeah, we didn't have. I mean, I didn't have children at the time, so I, I didn't appreciate it the way I would now. And he didn't have kids, so we were just like, yeah, two miscreants in our late twenties <laughs> walk around. You look back on it and go, Jesus, this is amazing. I ended up where I am. You must look at it and go. Oh yeah, no, I'm, very, I'm crazy, crazy fortunate. I'm very, and I, I you know, in a, uh, you know, I was, I. I Got divorced in 2013. I had three kids, and uh, and then I had a, a pretty significant relationship after my divorce. And when that uh, ended, uh, amicably, amicably, that's good. I was to I was told. Glad. Um, <laughs> uh, I literally thought like, uh, all right, I'm done. Yeah, really. I quit. Yeah, and like, not I anymore. Had kids, and and then yeah, and, yeah. Um, and then I met somebody, and now we live together, and we'll probably. Yeah, I man. think, to tell you the truth, that I saw I, you about three or four days after you got divorced. Yeah, I think you did. I, I think I did. I think you did, I yeah. yeah, I was did. like, hey, how are you? Yeah. I have very, very, very few memories of 2013. Oh, God. Uh, I re- yeah, I yeah. do remember. You were you were quite was, reluctant to, to... Yeah, well, it's just it's a, it's a shock. But like, I, I never thought like I never thought that I would be like meet anybody again. And, and I'm not being like Airy Ferry about it. It's just like you never know what... You know, you know, if you just keep getting out of bed and leaving the house, stuff happens. We have a Which caller. Is wonderful. We have a caller. Tire Carver. Tire, how are you? Doing good. Where's my ice Got cream? A question. <laughs> it's put away for the winter. Damn it. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, sir. It's too cold. Got a the question for Dana. Freeze. Hi. Um, you going to do any more TV? Uh, Stand Against Evil was uh, a great show. and Absolutely. You know, I was uh, wondering yeah. if you're going to do more. Uh, yes, I am. Two, a couple things. One, I wrote a. Uh, I thank you for watching Stand Against Evil. I wrote a uh, a horror film that's uh, basically kind of a straight ahead horror film uh, that will be uh, on the Sci Fi Channel next year. 
I want to do the movie starts, trailer. Starts to sh- yeah, you have that voice. I'll do it for in you. the world. Oh, I used to do tons of movie trailers. Yeah, back uh, in the day. And that'll be uh, that'll be next year. And I'm developing a show that's kind of like. Uh, it's it's kind of like uh, Stand Against Evil in Tone. I would describe it as a cross between uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and The Addams Family. And Love I'll it. Let you figure that out. <laughs> that uh, worked for me. That's, cool. uh, that's what I'm. So yes, I I am going to go back to TV not only because you enjoy it, but because I have three kids in private school. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I love Acme, it ain't going to put because it ain't putting three kids in private school. No, no, it is not in in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah, that's probably a little spendy. It's pretty crazy. I would imagine that's probably true. No, I uh, I think it's great. So, you, when will your movie come out? On he says it's on Sci-Fi. It'll be, yeah, it's a Christmas uh, horror movie, so it'll be uh, in about a year. In, in about, about a year. Yeah. Okay. We start shooting Excellent. in January. Wonderful. Yeah. I just think it's great. Tyre, any other questions? No, that was it. And thanks for uh, if you give uh, Shutter, I'm on uh, Creep Show, which is on Shutter right now, which is uh, pretty cool. great. We'll look I it up. like Shutter. Yeah, Shutter's, Shutter's great. Job. And it Creep Show, great. Greg Nicotero of The Walking Dead. It's exact produced creep show, and it came out excellent, and uh, I'm really proud to be a part of it. No, Shutter's a good channel. Yeah. I spent a day in a blood-soaked fat suit. Come on. <laughs> is Shutter owned by Amazon? I Shutter, Shutter is owned by AMC. AMC, okay. And right. so and I think AMC is owned by Time Warner. There are only three companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are, right. Uh, yeah. But I think I'm pretty sure, isn't the, I think the access to Shutter is through Amazon, though, isn't it? Well, can, I know that Amazon presents it, so maybe it's just yeah, an no, agreement. Here's the thing. If Amazon presents it and it does really well, then Amazon will create Shitter yeah. and then <laughs> move Shutter down in the search. That's, that's pretty what much they, true. That's oh, exactly yeah. true. Oh, yeah. It's the, the tentacles of that country company. When you read about how that company works, oh, God, yeah. it is. He's disgusting. Disgusting. He really disgusting. is disgusting. Disgusting. I mean, what he does to the the people of the United Postal Service is really it's disgusting. Bad. It's disgusting. Mm-hmm. And, but God. literally, like if you if you make Aunt Mary's soap and you go to Amazon and they go, great, we'll partner with you, and then people sell Aunt Mary's soap, and then they Whoop. discover they discover the market for Aunt Mary's soap. Suddenly, you'll see Uncle Mike's soap mm-hmm. and not Aunt Mary's. And then you, <laughs> who makes go? Uncle Mike's soap? Oh, it's a subsidiary of Amazon. I they know. just like nice business. We'll take it. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. God, I wish people wouldn't do things like that. It's so 170 billion's not enough. Apparently. It, well, that's the thing. Nothing is it's ever enough. Never enough. Yeah. It's never enough. Is never it? enough. I have to be the first trillionaire ever. Yeah. That's what this is all about, isn't it? But and then it would just be. But I'm not a multi-trillionaire. Mm-hmm. Like, you, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Did you ever talk to Jeff Bezos? No, I've never met him. Ever. Okay, if you do, tell him that Tom Bernard said you got to close that one eye a little more. Yeah. <laughs> just, they're just like you got one here and then you got one here and it looks really weird. So stop doing that. Yeah, he's just he's he's an odd duck. He is an odd duck. He he supposedly he loves. Uh, Jean-Luc Picard from Star Trek The Next Generation. He does, but, well. he, but he operates like the Borg. So yeah. That's very... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Thank I you, said, nerds. <laughs> I, I, most of their, not all of it, of course, but most of Amazon's product is total garbage anyway. Well, convenience comes at a price. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what or, it is, isn't it? Technically, yeah. it doesn't come at a price. It comes at a fall apart when you need to use it. Yeah, but it's also, yes, old people live in these beautiful boxes. Do you see horror, like real horror making a company? The reason I ask you this is I tried to watch, I used to love horror when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely loved it. Andy doesn't like it. My wife doesn't like it. Uh-huh. Our daughter likes it. 
So I would watch it. Yeah. The first horror film I ever saw was Psycho when I was about oh, nine years great, old. Yeah. Nice start. Ten? Yeah. Since the guy was right next door. Yeah. You were at ten? I was, yeah, nine or ten. Yeah, that's young for Psycho. It's really young for Psycho, especially when, you know, we were, uh, I realized. Ed Gein was. <laughs> he was right next street. door and yeah, he was yeah. right down the street yeah. anyway. He was yeah. like, hey, God. Yeah, those, uh, I can't watch those documentaries. I'm going to go kill her, and then I'm going to put her on as a suit. Yeah. Jesus. I know. Do you want to be a girl, did you? Human behavior. There's no bottom. No, there is no bottom. No. That's a very good way to put it. There is no bottom to human behavior. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I just, but I I tried to watch um, Annabelle Comes Home, which Uh is the latest Annabelle. Yeah. I lasted an hour and nothing happened. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't get scared by horror movies. No. Yeah, but I enjoy them. I do too. But you know, but I, yeah, I don't get, I don't. It's like comedy movies. It's hard because I know everybody. Yeah, that's true. And I know yeah. the mechanics of it, so I'm just like, oh, there he is. Oh, that's I got to call him. Oh, the, oh, that's a good gag. <laughs> you know, it's just like I, I can't yeah, get exactly. out of it. In horror movies, I'm a little more. Uh, I can enjoy yeah. it. But it's the same thing. It's just a series of gags. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. trying to think of the last comedy movie that I saw that I just loved and, uh, uh, you know, that really made me laugh. I'm sure I'm forgetting it, but, like, I think Bridesmaids was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been that long. My wife has never seen it, so we watched the first half of The Ref last night. That movie was funny. Mm-hmm. The Dennis, Dennis Leary? Leary? Yeah, oh, that's yeah. an old movie. Yeah, it's it's old 25 movie. years old. Yeah, it's an old and she'd movie. never seen it, but watching it again after all these years, it was very yeah. funny. Well, Dolomite, I guess. I laughed really yeah. hard at Dolomite. Yeah, that's I really, loved, yeah. it. Well, I you, loved the Dolomite. You know what's happening on Netflix now because of Dolomite? What? All of a sudden, Superfly yep. and Cleopatra Great. Jones and the all those. Original Superfly? Yep. Have all popped up on Excellent. Netflix now. Good Ron O'Neill? Yep. Oh, I loved his version of it. Yeah, all yeah. the old black exportation yeah. movies are all everybody, popped up. Everybody in a black leather car coat and a turtleneck. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it really great that you get, I'm getting a call right now from my wife who knows that I'm on the air, so I don't know why she's calling. <laughs> Must be something. Oh, because we only have 15 is, seconds left. Is uh, Freddy's dead in Superfly? Is that that's it? Yep. Yeah. It's God, Superfly, it's yep. Oh, mm-hmm. Curtis Mayfield. Freddy's dead. Mm-hmm. Curtis Mayfield was one of the most talented people on earth. And he's wearing that weird sweater in that movie. Okay, when close, the, uh, this is not Superfly, but it is Shaft. The original Shaft with Richard Roundtree. Mm-hmm. I'm over at the Paradise Theater in North Minneapolis, which is a very sure. urban neighborhood. Sure. Right? So I'm sitting there. And the movie opens. Richard Roundtree is in bed with, a, uh, with two women. Uh, he has a white woman and a black woman. And they all have the, the, the quilt like down at their waist. Sure. So the women are topless. He's topless. Right. Women are topless. Uh, you know, in the old movie theaters, when the door opened, you could tell because the light would come in because they didn't have the double doors back sure. then, right? So all of a sudden, this bunch of light comes in, and they're just uh, sitting in bed. The movie's opening, and you hear this guy go, look at them titties. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was done. I was like, okay, okay, uh, well. Those are it, the best random comments ever. If you see Dolomite, there's a woman that does a topless scene with Eddie Murphy when they're filming The Human Tornado. Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine, very good friend of mine, said, hey, I'm auditioning for your friend's movie tomorrow. So I put in the word, I go, hey, she's a really good friend of mine. She worked on my show. She's terrific. 
And she got the part. That's I go wonderful. To the, and I go to the movie, and I was like, oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm the, I'm the person that helped her get that part. I don't know how yeah, I should way feel to go, about Dana. it. I know. I don't know how I should feel about it. Dana Gould is uh, she's going to be around the building for a while because Brennan still hasn't finished his shower, yeah, apparently. He's still, su- he's still loofing. He's still- Thanks for coming in, Dana, to the Great morning to show you, and coming into this show. I love your stuff, as you know. Thank and you. I'm at Acme. Uh, I think the 8 a.m. The 8 a.m. The 8 a.m. shows are sold out. Uh, <laughs> Very funny, though. The, uh, the early shows are sold out, but the late shows still have some tickets tomorrow night and Saturday night. Uh, there's still some tickets left. But they're going, so come on out. Well, you hit the home run, too, because it's it's going to be down around 30 degrees, and people... We have heat. A lot of people packed lot, in one room. It's toasty. Exactly. It's toasty. Thank you, yeah. sir. And I perform in a full Speedo, so it's great. <laughs> you really? Yeah. It's the full one. You don't do the, 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 the hammock anymore. No, the I don't. No, I say, no, I do. yeah, the banana hammock for a while, I remember. Dana's here with his banana hammock. Honey. That's right. It's unbelievable. The banana hammocks are also at the First Avenue. This yes, morning. they are. They're <laughs> brilliant band. It was unbelievable. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. TV.